there, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of E Pluribus Unum. So as scheduled, Wednesday is an episode either with an interview or talking about a conservative ideal or value or viewpoint. Um, it's not an interview today, though I guess in a way it's kind of a self-interview. Um, and it's also talking about a conservative... Well, this one's a little bit more debunking a, a myth about conservatives. What I want to talk about is what it was like growing up in a conservative household. Because it seems like the way conservatives are described, that there's a stereotype of what a conservative household might be. And not only do I not think it's true that there's a certain house way that a household would be, but also there were some things about my upbringing that were so contrary to some of my friends who grew up in more liberal homes that I think it's interesting maybe to get an insight into what what a typical conservative middle class upbringing might have been like. Added on to my upbringing, of course, was the fact that my family's Jewish and traditionally Jewish, so there is some overlap between the conservative ideals and the Jewish ones, but some of them might be more Jewish than conservative, and I can't really separate them because it was just my upbringing, but I do think a lot of them overlapped. So I just thought it would be interesting for you to share. Plus, for those of you who are just new to the show, well, we're all kind of new to the show because we're only a few episodes in, I think it's important for you to know who I am so you understand where I'm coming from. I mean, I've said I'm conservative and I'm Jewish and I'm a female. So I've already given you some idea of who I am, but I think, I think it's just helpful to know. And also I think people like to know, okay, who is this voice? Cause you don't see my face. We're not, it's not a video. It's different. So anyway, um, this is just a little bit about me and what it was like growing up in a conservative household. So I don't know exactly what people think of when they picture conservative household, but from the way it's depicted in media, when I say media, I don't just mean news, but you know, TV shows or books. I think, I think people probably picture a lot of guns. First of all, there's definitely a lot of guns, uh, maybe some hunting trophies up on walls, camo. Um, I probably, I assume people think that we're not going to be vegetarian. Uh, we're probably very religious and going to church or synagogue all the time. But I think people usually think of church because people think about Christians and conservatives, probably very strict gender roles, lots of football, and kids who are almost like automatons, you know, just following rules and boring, not artsy. Anyway, that's just the impression. This is, that's the impression I get of how people depict conservatives in media. But I could be wrong. Maybe that's not what people picture. Uh, maybe they just think, oh, people can have all sorts of upbringings and households which is obviously true, but I do think that there are some stereotypes like that. And most of those do not apply to the way I was brought up, especially the lots of guns thing. Um, we did not have any guns in the house growing up. No hunting. Now it's probably more of a Jewish thing than not hunting thing. Uh, guns. A lot of Jews have guns, so we just didn't happen to. I think the reason that I was so drawn to this topic and the reason I realized that there might be this misconception that I should disprove is because of something that happened to me in, now honestly, I can't remember if it was high school or college, but sometime around then talking with some of my girlfriends about the first time we got our periods. Sorry guys, this won't get, I, this won't get gross, but we were talking about it. And 
several of my girlfriends, and I think actually maybe this happened in high school and college, I definitely noticed it with enough girls for it to resonate with me, that a lot of girls commented that, number one, they didn't, they didn't have any foreknowledge, so it happened and they were shocked. And when they talked to their parents about it, well, their mom about it, it was just, I guess the conversation was just awkward and the situation wasn't explained very well and definitely didn't talk to their dads about it. And it was, it was just sort of, it was shameful or at least something not to be talked about, something uncomfortable. And that really struck me because here I am growing up in a politically conservative and also lifestyle conservative and also Jewish household. And I didn't have any of that. And I, I do think people assume that when you grow up in a more traditional way that all of anything relating to sex or the body is very hush hush, but it wasn't. My mom told me about my period before, you know, around the age of 12. She's like, by the way, this is something that's going to happen to you. And then when it happened, very calmly, okay, this is how, you know, this is how you use different things. This is, you know, your stomach's going to hurt. So use some Advil, maybe some chocolate. And then it was no big deal. And I have asked my poor father to go shopping for feminine products probably more times than he would have wanted me to. But it's just, it was just a thing. It just happened. It wasn't a big deal. Sort of the same thing with sex. I don't remember what age I asked my parents how babies were born, but at some point sex was explained to me and it wasn't a big deal and it wasn't like on my wedding night. You know, it was probably sometime around the same age, maybe 12, 14, something like that. This is how babies are made. This is how God created us. It's something that's sacred and it's for marriage and you shouldn't do it beforehand. It's not a smart choice. And that was it. No big deal. When we, when I got older, there was a little bit of talk about, you know, birth control and being safe, both from, in terms of having a baby, but also STDs because things happen and parents want you to be safe. I don't know what the conversation was like for my brother because he was a boy. So it's a little bit of a different conversation, but I don't think anything was covered up there either. And those were the two conversations, the two topics that after talking with my friends about it, again, who grew up and some of them in very, one of them in particular in a very liberal household, the other also in a liberal household. It just made me realize that there was something, something better about the way I grew up, that these weren't things to be ashamed of. They were just natural parts of life and that my parents were able to explain them as natural parts of life because of their belief in God, I guess. I don't even know exactly why, but I do think the fact that we grew up conservative and there's like, there are facts of life and you deal with the facts of life. And we weren't, neither my brother nor I was hidden from them. They were just there. And then that's something to be contended with, the facts of life instead of buried away and hidden and never talked about. So that's why I thought this would be an interesting topic and something that's been on my mind for years. Now I actually have an outlet for it. Um, what else was a conservative upbringing like? Well, this might have been particular to my family, but we talked politics a lot from the dinner table. And I remember listening to Dennis Prager on the radio from a very young age. I would read a weekly periodical called The Conservative Chronicle, which compiled conservative columnists' columns on a variety of topics. So I was very well-read and well-informed, but I don't remember having anxiety about politics. And that's something that strikes me because my parents talked about, and we didn't, we did talk about current events and politics and specific policies and politicians, but I think mostly we talked about general ideas and philosophy. Why do we believe in free market capitalism? Why is free speech such a big ideal? Why is it important 
to take responsibility for your own actions. So conservative values, but not necessarily the day-to-day politics. And maybe that's why this next thing is true, but as I just don't remember having anxiety or being afraid. And it's interesting because you hear about kids today having so much anxiety about the environment and about politics, and they're afraid about who's going to win the election. And I mean, my parents had very strong views on things that they were not afraid to share. And I knew exactly how they felt about different people being elected, but I never felt that. I felt like I was allowed. I knew things and I was informed and I knew what was going on, but I still, it wasn't everything. And I, I do think that has to do with the way my parents talked about it. It was important to be informed, but it was still important to have a childhood which I think is another hallmark of growing up conservative. I was allowed to be a kid. I had responsibilities. And ultimately, life is about moving upward in terms of becoming a more responsible person, a more moral person, a more intelligent person. But we were also allowed to be kids. We weren't many adults. We were allowed to make mistakes and be messy. We didn't have to have the burdens of the world on our shoulders. We were allowed to play. We didn't have to... We And when I say we, I mean me and my younger brother, we just didn't have to, I guess that's it. We didn't have the weight of the world on our shoulders. We weren't expected to solve global warming. We were expected to go outside and play. By the way, we still went outside to play. Uh, Some of you might not be familiar with that word outside. Um, I recommend, so outside is everything that's beyond the walls of the house that you've been stuck in for the past six months. I highly recommend engaging in this outside world there's fresh air, there's birds singing, there might be snow, there might be wind, there might be rain, that depends on where you are. Um, I highly recommend it, but that was a side note. So we were allowed to be kids, which I think is very important. I think this is something people don't understand about religious people and conservative people in general. We care about the environment. No one wants to, I shouldn't say no one, but it's not like people believe in abusing the environment, but if you're religious, You believe that God created the world and that man is allowed to use the earth and that the earth sort the earth has no purpose without man either just appreciating its beauty. The Grand Canyon's beautiful, but only man can appreciate that. And also only man can take the the diamonds and turn them into rings or the graphite and turn them into pencils. Obviously, I'm not a geologist, but you understand what I'm saying. So we care about the environment. And in fact, we were, still are, so not wasteful and so big on recycling. Those plastic bags that they hand out at grocery stores, that was a lunch bag or a trash can liner. It was a lunch bag until it was ripped to shreds and couldn't be used anymore. Uh, Every once in a while, a trash can liner for a kitty litter, those bags were reused and reused. Um, Same thing with Ziploc bags could be used more than once paper towel. Here's the correct way to use a paper towel, folks. Uh, let's say you're, I don't know, you're wiping down some crumbs from the counter with a paper towel. That paper towel is not so dirty. I bet it can go sop up some water around the faucet or maybe clean up on the floor. A paper towel is reused or at least used for multiple spots at once. And of course, we had those half-size towels for a very long time. So we didn't harp on about the environment all the time. My parents didn't make my brother and I think that everything, like the world was going to end because people were turning on their lights too much. But we were always told to turn the lights off when we weren't in a room. Again, we saved and reused plastic bags, plastic utensils. Those can be dishwashed, people. 
plastic water bottles. We, we, before people had fancy insulated, whatever water bottles, just your regular Arrowhead water bottle that can be reused and refilled. So we're very conscious of things without having to be high and mighty about it. We just did those things. Um, oh, race never came up. I know people think that the right is like obsessed with race. Um, and obviously in a negative way, I don't remember it coming up. Uh, to be fair, I went to a Jewish school growing up, so a lot of my friends were Jewish, and therefore many of them were white, but number one, they weren't all white, and it just wasn't an issue. We talk about people as humans, and color is basically just a descriptor. Like, you're staring at two people 15 feet ahead, and they're both men, and they're both dressed exactly the same. Okay, then maybe you might say, oh, the black guy. But that's it. Race, race is so not an issue for most conservative people, or for at least a lot of conservative people. Yeah, it just isn't. I don't remember talking about race so much until like the last four years, honestly, or actually since Obama. But before that, like never. It's very weird. Um, oh, gender roles. Here's an interesting one. Were there gender roles in my house? Definitely. I was definitely the one helping my mom clean up and eventually cooking when I got old enough. And there were definitely certain responsibilities that I had that my brother didn't, but I was older. That's part of it. Also, I have such a different temperament from my brother, especially when we were younger. He would not have been able to sit still to help fold laundry or do anything like that. And it just wasn't in his nature. So some of it was gender. Some of it was probably who we are. Um, but yeah, my parents do believe that, you know, a, a man should know how to do outdoors things and and kill bugs and fix things and a woman can do household chores but and I won't go into the discussion of why the division of genders is not the division of gender roles is not against women it's just that there are different skills that women have or different proclivities and different proclivities that men have and for a woman to be judged by a man's standards is that's where the patriarchal stuff comes in that's where the unfairness is like why as a woman should I have to have a good career to be considered worthwhile why is being a homemaker not not an incredible thing to be anyway that's really need a whole other podcast for that but were the gender roles yes there were gender roles at the same time um I was a super tomboy when I was in elementary school I probably from like first to fifth, maybe even into middle, probably into middle school. No, definitely into middle school. Maybe even into high school. I was a tomboy. I was the first on the field at recess. I was playing all the sports with the boys. And by the way, beating most of the boys at sports. I, and that wasn't, it was never discouraged by my parents or by the way, by my school, which was a religious Orthodox Jewish school. It was never discouraged. That's another interesting thing growing up as a woman because I never had anyone tell me, oh, you, you can't do this because you're a woman or, oh, because you're a woman, you should do X, Y, and Z or anything demeaning because of it. I mean, there are things, you know, as a woman that it's uplifting to be able to do. I guess it all depends on your perspective, but that's another, uh, rift. It's not the quite the right word, but that's another difference between me and some of my more liberal friends' upbringings, that they were told very specific things as women or that they couldn't do specific things because they're a woman. 
in their household and also in school. And I never encountered that. And I was around very conservative, traditional people. So isn't that kind of interesting? Um, and the biggest lesson that this is not a, well, this is probably a disparity, but I don't know if this is what people, people probably do expect this of a conservative household, but this is both a conservative and a Jewish teaching. And it's one of the few lessons that I specifically remember my parents teaching me as opposed to something that I just picked up through watching them or through constant repetition, like say please and say thank you. I specifically remember one day we were in the garage and we were working on something and the garage door was open. So it must've been a nice day. And I was just in a foul mood. I think I was 13 and I was just in a bad mood and I was lashing out at my brother unfairly and possibly at my parents too, but definitely at my brother and my parents took me aside and said, you don't have the right to put your bad mood on other people. You are allowed to feel what you're feeling, but it is not your brother's fault that you are angry and you have no right to take your anger out on him. And that was revelatory that it's because it's both things. You're allowed to have feelings, but you're not allowed to impose your bad feelings on other people. And that is something I think people don't expect that in a conservative household, you're even allowed to have feelings or talk about them. But it's not that you're not allowed to have feelings. People have feelings. They can't be stamped down. It's not healthy to pretend you don't have feelings, but it's not other people's fault. So if you're angry and you need to take a second, take a second. If you need to take a couple minutes, whatever it is, but if they're not the reason you're angry, you don't get to be angry at them. And other people are not responsible for the way you feel. You can control the way you feel. You can at least control the way you act about the way you feel. And that's an incredible thing to tell a kid. It's actually an incredible thing to tell an adult because a lot of people think, oh, I'm sad. I'm going to act sad. I'm angry. I'm going to act angry. But in Judaism and kind of in conservatism too, there's an idea that you sort of have a moral responsibility to act happy because it affects the people around you. And you, if your actions affect, I guess the biggest takeaway from my upbringing was responsibility and that the things we do that have an effect on other people, which is almost everything we do, we are responsible to the people around us in this world and we must take them into account when we act. And if our actions are going to make their lives worse, then we're doing something immoral. And that's, I mean, I, I still reuse paper towels and plastic bags. And, but that's probably, that's probably the most important lesson. I shouldn't say the most important. It was a very important lesson that my parents taught me clearly because I actually remember them telling it to me instead of just absorbing it through osmosis. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of an insight into who I am and into what a conservative upbringing, now maybe mine was atypical, could be that my parents are very understanding. They're both kind of artsy people. So, but I, I don't think 
think it was after having met other people of a similar background. Now, I'm not saying that it's so different from a liberal bringing upbringing either. They might be very similar, and the few girlfriends that I talked to about the period and sex, maybe they were the outliers. I'm not saying that growing up conservative is necessarily better or so different, but at least so people know that it's not like you're being... We weren't being taught to hate other people or to be greedy and just love money and be whatever. It was, we were taught to be good people. And that's really what parents are supposed to do. And that's what we're supposed to become as good people. That's being good, as Dennis Prager puts it, being good is the one thing we expect and want the most from other people, but it's not the thing we expect the most or want the most from ourselves. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, I will leave you with that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. I hope today's episode made you think or brought some clarity and positivity to your day. Subscribe to the show to always get the most recent episode directly to your device. Please leave a rating and a review and share the show with your family, friends, or anyone you think might benefit from a little Torah wisdom and conservative thoughts. For more of my thoughts and ideas I share from others, please follow me on Instagram at conservativejewishfemale or read my blog conservativejewishfemale.blogspot.com. The intro outro music is Chopin's Waterfall Etude. Have a great day.